This is Coder Radio, episode 310 for May 21st, 2018. everybody, and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and its related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two great sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining me every single week, like the old man that he's becoming, and as he always has been, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Oh my God, Chris, did you see the wedding? Oh, man. Are you really calling with, with, with that right now? Oh. He was just radiant. Oh, God. I mean, no disrespect to people who enjoy that stuff. That's just, that's not in my wheelhouse. And. Oh, bullshit. Don't tell me you've never dreamed of being a princess, damn it. <laughs> or in this case, the Duchess of Sussex. Well, maybe a princess, but I don't know about being a princess. Oh. Now listen, I cannot stand all of this hype around this kind of thing. I'm 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 all about getting work done, you know? If it doesn't serve the goal, I'm not about it. We're and as usual, I'm all about the ladies. <sighs> That's fair. Well, Mr. Dominic, we have quite a bit to get into this week. We have so much to get into, as a matter of fact, that we may not make it through all of it. We've pulled in some stuff that didn't make it into last week's episode. We got some great feedback, and there is some big hoopla breaking today. Game-changing hoopla today, Mr. Dominic. <laughs> so you want to start? Should we just start, go right into the feedback? Um, dive right in. I have a public service announcement. Oh, shit. Wow. Wow. Okay. All right. It's going to be one of these episodes. It's going to be one of these episodes. I'm sorry. I apologize ahead of time. Uh, I, I don't know what Mike's deal is. My back's hurt, and that just makes me cranky. So that's what. <laughs> and Mike is just a little lonely, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> so before I go, speaking of being lonely, uh, come say hi to me. I will be in Texas soon, and uh, we've set up a Telegram group to coordinate meetups during Texas Linux Fest. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash Texas if you're in the area and uh, want to get some barbecue or want to hang out with us and just say hi and know what the plans are. It is now official. We officially official have an official Telegram group for Tejas. JupiterBroadcasting.com slash Texas if you want to get in on that group. And um, yeah, I'll be going down there too. I'll be making the whole trek in the RV. So if you're in route, send me a tweet. Maybe we can say hi. Now, Mr. Veratunda writes in with our feedback this week. And uh, it's a harsh one from the Veratunda. You know, usually he's, uh, he's, a, he's, he's pretty kind. And he usually brings just positivity to the show. But this week... He's concerned we may have overlooked something major from Google I.O. And he's concerned that we didn't spot it for ourselves, but he's going to point it out for us. He says, Google insisting on Google update models for OEMs means that modern Android phones will be upgraded, will be upgradable by a custom ROM that has been de-Googleified will become near impossible. In other words, what he's saying is modern ROMs that have been de-Googleified will basically become irrelevant with this new security policy change that Google's making. Good. <laughs> okay, uh, how can you run Android without Google hooks in without Google hookins and still be sure it's getting updates? You will know if you've you'll. Um, he says you know if you follow the lineage forms that once an OEM uh, starts to get blessed updates, it's nearly impossible to start installing the free versions of Android on it. Uh, this is an issue that Sailfish also uh, 
faced. Uh, and I don't. Uh, so his his essentially his essential premise here is that by Google convincing the OEMs that they're going to have to play ball with this update with these monthly updates as part of the Android P agreement, it, he thinks that that's going to somehow lock Android hardware into those ROMs. And I I don't buy that premise that Veritunda is putting forward. In fact, from your lips to Satya's ears, I think what's happening here is that Pro- <laughs> Project Treble is what's making this possible, and Project Treble is actually a huge boost for the ROMs. Project Treble's really the hard work that's separating out some of the system-on-the-chip driver bits and the core Android stuff and making it possible for them to ship one layer without having to also ship the other layer. That is also good news for the alternative ROMs. And that's why more than ever you're starting to see you're starting to see treble-built ROMs that run across a whole one ROM, one one single lineage ROM runs across five or six phones right now. It's it's experimental, but that kind of stuff and I don't know if it's actually five, I don't know if it's actually lineage, but that kind of that kind of work is being done right now in the ROM community. So I think it's going to be better for them because it'll mean more phones are treble compatible. So how about that? Turned it around on you, Veritunda. <laughs> now my day is complete. Peter writes in, uh, and he's ready for a change of job. It needs your advice, Mike. He says, I'm thinking about transitioning from a non-IT career. Are any of the CompTIA certifications, such as Network Plus or Security Plus, any good? I've spent the last year managing a development team as an additional duty to my current job. I led the adoption of Agile and DevOps practices at the place I work, so I feel I'm up to date on the management and developer operation groups. I have no concrete fundamentals, I think is what he's trying to say. And he has no major and he has no major credentials to pass along. So he needs to go, he's got some experience in some of the DevOps management, uh, project management area, but he doesn't have any like actual on-paper credentials, and he might be missing some of the fundamentals. Is certs the way to go? I think that's the core question. Set Security Plus and Network Plus aside because uh, I think I'm sure there's 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 still a place for those certifications in the industry, and they've they've worked to keep themselves up to date. Uh, but I, you know, as somebody, I I, just, I don't want to put down people that have it, but I just never have seen it move the needle for anybody. I'll put it that way. It's not necessarily bad to have, and if you yeah. literally want to prove you know the fundamentals, it's good for that. But I don't know about certifications. Is is it's nice to have that, but it's really work experience that you need to have on that resume. Yeah, it's work experience. I mean, it depends on what you're doing. Um, I can't speak as well as Chris can to the IT administration side of life, but for devs, I have met many uh, Microsoft certified, blah blah blah, grand wizards of whatever, as well as some Oracle certified Java Duke, you know. Lords of Neek. Um, if you get that Monty Python reference, very good. And it, th- th- there are certainly no... Chris, help me say this nicely, because I my New Jersey wants to come out. All right, well, the certification teaches you how to take a test, at mm-hmm. least for the programming ones. Mm-hmm. And I have considered... like I'm, I think on one of the early episodes I said I was going for one, and then I realized that like... It was such a gross waste of my time that I was better off just doing other things. Like honestly, if if you're looking to do development, um, I'd urge you just to develop like a passion project, whatever it is, right? Like, and if you need a, a spec, I will give you one because 
I could use a little something something for my 3D printer over here. <laughs> yeah, I like uh, Roger Matt uh, in the chat room points out that CompTIA certs are great if you're worried about meeting DOD or 8570 requirements. That's true. Yeah. So there, it, there, there's obviously a place for them. So I don't want us to come down. And- well, I, yeah, and I would almost like to undercut my whole argument. Remember, I have not had a job in. I haven't really had a job, really ever, like one. So I'm not the right guy, right? You, you, and, and neither has Chris, really. Yeah, it takes different industries. Yeah, so I, right, yeah, I, I've been, I've been in industries where it's like I could see how getting certs was going to be advantageous to moving forward, and getting like you know a higher paying job, uh, and but now I'm you know I'm in an industry where that doesn't that doesn't really exist. Uh, it's it's tough because a lot of times too uh, those tests are. Um, are very industry specific, but Peter, it's, and a lot you of times they're not super cheap either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, boy, um, Peter, you got to start somewhere though. So I follow your logic because if you feel like you've got some of the basics, or if you feel like you've got the, the area that you want to move into, you've got it down because you've just been taking it on for a while now, and so now you just want to prove something. Um, I, I, I would try to, I would try to really get some more work experience, something. Um, you know, this is a good. This is actually a good spot to also shamelessly plug and mention Linux Academy because this is legitimately a good way to go. It's why I think they make for, for a great sponsor on this show. And Linux Academy has really grown in esteem in the industry. Like they're they're recognized by the Linux Foundation and a lot of industry members now as a platform that has just some of the best tools to learn about Linux and the fundamentals that run around that including project development and just the basics of Linux security and firewalling to more advanced topics. And I think the, the, the thing to keep in mind here is it's part of an overall strategy. So for somebody like Peter, uh, you also have, you can, you can shape your past work experience in a certain way and make it clear that you have, you have spent a certain amount of time working in that area. So, you know, that just depends on how you sort of sell yourself in your resume. And then you can combine it with real education. And something like Linux Academy, linuxacademy.com slash coders is where you go to sign up for a free seven-day trial. And you can, you know, support the show. But when you go there, they have a public profile aspect. that is It's like a, it's like a GitHub page of what you've accomplished. And uh, it's all listed out there clearly for you to link out on your resume. So you can show, like, these are the things you've completed. And now you combine that with uh, with the stature that Linux Academy has in the community, and that's a pretty powerful tool. Plus, you really can expand out in those areas where maybe you are lacking some of the basics. So they have hands-on scenario-based labs that give you experience on real servers. And if you have questions, this is a super, super valuable aspect of Linux Academy. They have actual topic experts that can answer your questions. Full-time human beings. And they have practice exams, and they do have certification training as well. So if you do identify a couple of certifications it's time to go for, they have courses that are created specifically to prepare you for those exams. It's a really good resource. So just go to linuxacademy.com coders. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. And best of luck to Peter, because I know that can be a very daunting transition to go from one industry to the next. And uh, you don't know what you don't know until you start making it. So that's why I would say, think about how you sell yourself and the past work that you've done. Make sure that's framed in a way that's that's generous to you. And then fill in the gaps with some kind of training. I don't, unless you have a specific target market, I would say focus on some of the other aspects of training. Um, <clears throat> now, Mr. Dominic, 
I have some hoopla of hoopla this week, but there was a there was a topic from last week that we wanted to pull forward. Ooh, I like this term. We should we should use it. We're going to pull forward, Mike. You and I. You ready to? You ready to pull forward? Wait, Wait, are we in the Situation Room? Yeah, we could be. You ought to be. I mean, this is CNN's Wolf Blitzer, and you're in the Situation Room. It's a little obnoxious. Um, <laughs> you know, so uh, you wanted to do a whole segment on the Nokia E6, right? The E6, the Nokia E6, the best smartphone ever made. Uh, oh, wait, what? Oh, oh, I think I have the wrong... What What E6 are you talking about? Uh. Oh, 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 I find... Oh. ECMA 6, baby. ECMAScript. Oh, ECMA. All right. Now, now, ECMAScript is this new programming language. I, I know maybe... Never heard of it before, actually. Never heard of it. Sounds like but... it's going to go nowhere. <laughs> it's going to go everywhere. The server, <laughs> the desktop. No. The mobile phone. No one would ever... The IoT device. No. no one would ever straddle this modern, super fast hardware with something like this on the desktop. So anyways, delusional. Whoa! It's... Let me tell you something. With that beautiful... V8 eight-cylinder engine, this kitty cat purrs. So, if uh, you don't know what the hell we're talking about, ES6, ECMAScript 6 is JavaScript. It's the newest standard of JavaScript, right? And you actually seem like you're pretty positive on it. I'm shockingly positive yeah, on it. That's a, that's a good way to put it. Um, so, I have a few things I would like to go through on this. I am going to make an assertion that JavaScript, i.e. ES6, now when I say JavaScript, I want to be very clear that I'm talking about the ECMA standard, the current one, so ES6, not jQuery. jQuery was great. It's time to move on. For instance, a lot of people will complain and send me long emails about quote-unquote scoping problems with JavaScript. Well, ES6 has wonderful ways to solve this, such as modules and just being less stupid about how it handles scoping, right? Um, the let keyword, all kinds of fun stuff that are already fixed in ES6. However, if you're using Node, you're screwed. Because Chris... I don't believe you. Oh, believe me. On Node 8, which is the current version, 8 point whatever... No, no, you can't use ES6 imports. You can't use ES6 modules. And let me tell you something. Modules are the best feature in ES6. It runs and it de at develop time like a real programming language. Dare I say it, like a C-sharp. Mm -hmm. You can type import, blah, 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 library. And if you have good tooling, it will do it for you. No more mm -hmm. fancy require JS nonsense. Really kind of like top shelf support. But Node can't do it because Node did a bunch of hacks in the past for, for good reasons, trying to get around some other legacy issues that now make that really, really hard. That technical debt. So you think maybe a, this is like a Node 9 problem to solve? Yeah, I mean, if you read their mailing list, it definitely is. Oh, okay. Okay. Wow, I, I just turned into a Linux developer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've been using Linux way too yeah. If you read the mailing list, yes. I mean, you know. <laughs> you know what? Uh, that response barely even phases me because I get it so often. And you know what? It, they're my, right. my right hand sort of shaking when I said that. It was very... Uh, yeah. Read and I'm gonna, the mailing list, son. I, I'm going to assert something for you, and then you're going to cut to commercial. Oh. JavaScript is native on mobile, desktop, web servers, and bots. I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry. JavaScript is the universal 
native programming you, language. Uh, all right, all right. Tell me about digital. Uh, all right, digital OSH right here, right now. Do.co slash coders. This is the one that's got an S, I think. Maybe. Let's actually maybe let's double check. I think it doesn't have an S. Do.co slash coder. No S. And this is why I wanted to get really specific because how often do you really get a hundred dollar credit at a service to try? A couple of dollars, sure. Now this is a hundred dollars. You can try out DigitalOcean infrastructure for sixty days with a hundred dollar credit with darn near any of their systems. I would recommend, if you want to really play around with the power of DigitalOcean, take advantage of their flexible droplets. $15 a month, you can mix and match resources that are most appropriate. More disk or more CPU, whatever you need, go for that. Also, they have fantastic sync with the upstream distributions or projects they're working on. For example, they work directly with the FreeBSD project to make sure that FreeBSD is well-supported on DigitalOcean. When Ubuntu 18.04 ships... I I can't believe they have the documentation out like before before I even had a chance to update my system. Like immediately they start just pumping out new documentation. They work with Canonical too, which the reason why I mention that is because this is this is legitimately the way it's done now. It's not like DigitalOcean just goes out there and grabs some ISO and slams it on a KVM box and then says, all right, yeah, now you can uh, take this image that we've copied and deploy it on a bunch of our systems. It's, it's a whole integrated system. They have SSDs for all of the machines. They have a beautiful dashboard to help you manage all of it. It's, it's perfect because it's simple enough that if you need to fiddle around for the first time you've ever spun something like this up, it'll make sense to you. But if you've done a lot of this before, you'll start to see little areas in the interface. You expand that out. Oh, look at this. I can get all my DNS set up right now. I'll expand this out. Oh, hey, guys, <clears throat> let's add your SSH. Yeah, here. Give me your SSH. Yeah, let's paste that in there right there. And it's slick. So you can just add an SSH key right in there. And then when it spins up, I, I, don't, have to, I don't have to wait for like a so set up a root password or anything like that. I just immediately SSH into the box because <laughs> my DNS is set and my, uh, my SSH key is already on there. And it's immediate. And I just get to work. And it's small things like that that combine up at every single little step in the process. When you want the documentation, if you want to deploy an, an entire application stack, you go look at, you pick apart like their like their systems where they'll deploy an entire application, and you see it's like built exactly how you would build it if you were following the best practices. It's not like some crazy like cPanel config thing with with config files that are like one big blob of text. It's all clearly done. Sources from the project, the correct GPG keys have been signed, the correct ones, have been, the correct keys have been added to your key ring. It's so well done. And the pricing is just out of this world. My favorite system is three cents an hour. It's three cents an hour. And it's plenty of power. And I just I just attached some more block storage, 250 gigs of block storage the other day. I'm like, boom, boom, add. And it's smart the way they label it too, because the storage shows up in 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 my device system as the name as DigitalOcean Block Storage. They've they've labeled the device so it's clear and easy to see when I'm adding it to my file system. Anyways, anyways, do.co slash coder. Go there, sign up, get the one hundred dollar credit, play to, play around, see what I'm talking about. Do.co slash coder. All right, Mr. Dominic. So were you, uh, were you punting? Were you building suspense? Or did you just have to go to the bathroom? What happened there? <laughs> I was building suspense. Well, you did a good job. You know what? Now I want to know where you're going with this. You and I need to go to camp. Re-education yeah, okay. camp, Chris. Oh. Oh. oh you got very, uh, I thought you wanted to go camp, and I'm down anytime. Have you? 
You know, it's been 310 episodes. I think you know that I'm very not down with camping. <laughs> like, unless you want to camp at, like, a four-star hotel at the bar with me, then, yeah, yeah we go camping. I'm, sure. I'm, I'm like a dog that, like, as soon as it thinks you want to take it in the car, it gets all excited. Oh, let's go, let's yeah. go, let's go. As soon as you say camping, I'm like, all right. Listen, I want jets in the hot tub, all right? Let's, yeah. let's not get Ugh. sidetracked. My back I'm a city. I, I'm a city mouse. So I'm actually thinking about going and paying to get into the uh, to the exercise place here for just one night so I can go sit in their hot tub and soak my old man back. So but they have a separate... You know what? Oh, you want to talk about back pain? We can do old man radio for a minute here. My, my two-year-old kicked the crap out of my back. You know, he did the whole crying at 2 a.m. thing, so my wife brought him into bed, and all of a sudden, my little boy Reese turns into Chun-Li. Oh, yeah. And just drills my lower back. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I I was uh, I'm pretty sure this is RSI of the back. I don't know. I didn't know such a thing could exist until I got it because I'm sitting on my computer now. My wrists are jacked, my elbows are jacked, my shoulders are jacked. So it's getting really really bad, and uh, my back is normally doesn't hurt. But I was changing the oil, bending over, oh. pouring new oil in, With and intuition. and then oh there it goes, and now it's hurt for days. And when I sit in my office chair, it hits the exact spot that makes it hurt. It's like it's perfect. It's like lined up. Anyways, I digress. Anyways. People go out, move around, don't sit at your computers. It really does make a difference. My God, let us let us be your warning. <laughs> We're like one of those cautionary tales yes. to be on after school. Yes. We're, you know, don't be like Chris and Mike. It's no. Okay. All right. No. So JavaScript is the native programming language for the world, baby. <sighs> I think uh, Apple would like to disagree. I think, uh, I don't know, man. I'm sure in a week and a half they will. Are you saying it's the people's language? Is that what you're saying? No, that would, of course, be Objective C. Thank you for baiting (laughs) me. Um, All right. Well, when we say native, what do we mean, right? Do we mean it compiles into like an assembly? Because I don't know. You can do that now, right? Does it mean that there are in. Uh, on system APIs to it, because I mean, Microsoft might want to forget, but how about WinJS, baby? Uh, even Apple now has tie-ins for native notifications from JavaScript calls. Uh, just about every cross-platform framework written in JavaScript uh, or utilized through JavaScript, and when I say JavaScript too, I mean like TypeScript, like all. I'm talking about the ECMAScript script family of languages, right? You can do native notifications on your iOS or Android device. You can write your Alexa skills. You can write your bots, name them Alice, just saying. Um, You can write your entire server infrastructure based on an event-based architecture for Linux. You can get drunk and do it in BSD if something is wrong with you. What platform have I missed so far, Chris? I think I got phones. I got tablets by extension from phones. I have desktop. I have Windows. I have Mac. Now, I will give you that Apple has, like a mule, dug their heels in on the Mac. <laughs> JavaScript is far more powerful on Windows. But can I get a GNOME shell, baby? You know, it's you know, it's funny. Is oh, and just give me one more before, and then I'm gonna let you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna con you this. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you finish. How about Qt now having a JavaScript implementation? Qt, the C, or Qt as I used to call it until I was very aggressively corrected. You can now do all your Qt stuff, all your Linux apps, your cross-platform apps, not in C++, not in Objective-C, which is what a sane person would have done, but in JavaScript. Get the hell out of here. 
All right. So ironically, the one platform I don't think you actually said, but obviously would acknowledge is the web. <laughs> you didn't say the web. <laughs> oh, I forgot about the web. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, but I mean, you yeah. know, WebKit, Chrome. I'm pretty Firefox. sure it's all good. Yeah, I might yeah. be wrong. I'm pretty sure you didn't, but uh, I can't. Uh, I can't uh, really disagree. Other than there's so many other interests at play here, it's really hard to make a call on something like this. But yeah, I, I could. I could definitely see where you're going when it comes to like um, basically any app that has to be made at scale that's cross-platform that needs uh, any kind of tie into a backend service. <laughs> How, right? It just seems like that, which is a massively broad from from chat applications to spreadsheet applications to even video editors, that would apply yep. to. It's a massively uh, broad range. <laughs> and with WebAssembly, the performance issues are, frankly, going to go away. I, you know, I, and you know, Chris, you know, I, you and I were both skeptics on this for a long time. And I think I know that you still are. Yeah, I'm I'm but. coming around. I mean, I, I saw a bit of a sell at, at Linux Fest, but I need to I'm gonna I'm gonna watch some more sessions and I'll make up my mind. But yeah. Well think about PWAs. Right? Uh, uh, one application that runs on the web, uh, in desktop mode, possibly packaged up an electron if you've sold your soul to Satan, and also on mobile. Isn't that what we all want? And when I say we all, I mean the people who pay us. Yeah. Right? Isn't that with the business guy who has to like hire the development shop or the contract developer? Ultimately, that's kind of what he or she wants, right? Yeah, I also think that there's the uh, the trend we talked about last episode where so much of this is becoming a hosted service. Uh, and of course, those costs creep up on you. It, it's it's two big momentums that are are converging. It's 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 not just the business requirements of... Uh, maintainable, cross-platform, cheap, but it's all, and cheap might be a little unfair, but, you know, budgetable. Um, but it's also the momentum of, that's how a lot of these back-end services, the, the way these back-end services are getting delivered sort of push people towards progressive web applications or they push people towards yeah. things that are easily tie-inable with an API that connects to an Azure service or an AWS service. It's just the, the direction things are going. Well, I, I would even add, though, like the, the primary defense, I mean, you and I have personally used in the past for native development, right? Me on mobile, you just as an article of faith was performance. Yeah. And you know what? WebAssembly, it's not. See, I'm not as bullish on it as some people. It is not here yet. You know what? It's just not the case that most things are using WebAssembly. But the things I have, like when I intentionally go out of my way to use it, damn if that isn't like native or near native performance. And when I say near, I mean it's it's an eyelash. The thing about right? the it's the thing about the performance argument is it, it comes down to taste and preference. And I can think of so many massively successful software products over the last 35 years that performance would not be one of their trademarks. Sure, Windows 10. <laughs> I was really thinking like, yeah, I mean, sure, I was thinking like uh, enterprise-grade software that sells, you know, in the millions uh, and millions of dollars. Windows 7. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's never performing, it, you know, enterprise applications sucking and the UI being horrible and the performance yeah, being awful. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Or anything, anything really in that category. Um is never prevented it from making millions and millions and millions of dollars and uh, being a fundamental core technology to tons of businesses around the world. So uh, <laughs> to say that uh, native application will stay strong because people demand performance is basically arguing for, yeah, those edge cases, those are oddball edge cases. Games. Well, and look, 
Yeah, but dude, I'm t- I'm telling you. Yeah, I'll give you yes on games now, but I'm almost a decade yeah. now removed from the yeah. game development yeah. world. But I, I yeah. So yeah. when I when I when I was in game development, the big, the big challenge was not like what language are you going to work in, but what third party engine did your company buy? Right. Because ultimately, you, you were learning how to work in that engine, and this is 2007, eight, maybe eight. I did a project. We bought something called Torque2D, which I think they're out of business and they totally open sourced it. And if you ever use it, may God have mercy on your soul. They had something called TorqueScript, Chris. Guess what TorqueScript is? What was that? <laughs> it's basically JavaScript. Oh! <laughs> it would compile into, into a Lua interpreter uh, and then I think compile again for iOS. But, uh, and, and for originally they came out for Windows, obviously. And then they added an iOS component. But, you know, I'm thinking, what are the big... I mean, you probably know more about games than I do now. Unity is a big engine. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. 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 And, and the so, Unreal is getting huge. I mean, and, and please, listeners, if you're deep into the games industry, and if this has changed, because it's been a very long time for me, my experience was your company bought the engine you became an expert on that engine if you were at that level of development, right? Which is where I worked. That you know where I got a good piece of, of uh, close-up um, example of this was uh, the couple of times I went to Cryptic Studios Oh sure, for Stoked years and years and years ago. Yeah. And, and, you know, just got to walk around and talk. Hang on, let's just, let's just pour one out. Hang on. Yeah, I know. Yes, yeah. Now, now a totally different organization. But sure. I did get to, like, hang out with the developers for a bit. And it, you, I think... You nailed it because there was people on the team who were and are still very intelligent, but I would not necessarily say that their skill set applied outside of that office because it was really about working with that engine, which that was the same engine they used for several of their games. Oh, those those engines, I mean, I I know it's different now at Unity and everything, but I remember those engines were like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, and plus a royalty or something like it that. Was it was their crazy. core asset. It was their core yeah. asset. That's why they're still a sh- they're, they're still a shop because those games are still in production. That engine is still in use. Uh, and so the the funny thing was is they could move around to the different games within the company or the parent companies, you know. So they were sort of they were sort of valuable between the different aspects of the company, but not super valuable outside. And then the folks that were. Uh, well, I, I watched several of the people who are like had been involved with multiple games, uh, were really good game developers. Uh, they would generally get, you know, offers because they were, you oh, know, sure. So that was a really that was another challenging thing. Yeah, yeah. And now, now it's almost kind of crazy with Unity or the Unreal Four engine, and there's others as well. There's some good open source but ones. It's Unity kind of crazy. Pricing, yeah. It, I mean, the pricing has come down so much. I I can't believe it. Like. I honestly don't know what stops anybody from just like opening a game development studio if that's what you want to do. So, um, closing thoughts: uh, the, the whole world's going JavaScript, uh, and it's all going to be okay. Is that what you're thinking? I mean, what's the future? At? What's well, the future? It, what about you know? Yeah. What about your beloved so, Objective C? The pain, the pain. Well, just like Beta Max versus VHS, Objective C, sadly. I'm gonna cry, Chris. I, I'm tearing up right now. I, it's it's breaking me. Really? Um, you really you think it's gonna be a bygone? It's just gonna it's gonna be a oh no historical well, artifact. It's, 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 Swift is killing Objective C. I mean, Objective C is still around. I I know I joke around about it, but like people are not starting new projects in Objective C, right? Right. 
But I almost think, you know, you know who's going to be crying? All those hotshot Swift developers in their, you know, big nerd ranches and like, because there's just no reason to like not, particularly for mobile, which, you know, the show's always had a mobile bent. If you're not doing a PWA or or maybe, like I could understand why you might do a Xamarin implementation because I recently just did one. And it's because we had to like tune into low level hardware and do all kinds of packet crap. But for, for like your regular, you know, line of business mobile app or productivity iPad app, to not just do it in JavaScript using something like, uh, hell, I might even say go all the way to PWA. And honestly, we didn't talk about this last week much, but uh, Polymer 3 from Google, which is their progressive web app framework, is really impressive. And this is from a guy who hmm. who did a, who liked Angular 1, then moved to Vue. And Polymer, it, it's kind of borrowing the best from the React world with Google's... You know, Google can just throw money at it, right? Like the crazy performance you can get is pretty pretty substantial. Um, having said that, there's still a gigantic bug in the iOS 10 for Safari, <laughs> where that if you have a form field in HTML in an embedded app, it will definitely fail if somebody scrolls the screen. Uh, so that, that I, I guess I want to say like not everything is good, right? Like Apple is pretty. I wouldn't say they're sabotaging it, but I would say they just don't care. Right. I mean, I think we have another Apple story for later about the uh, app developers coming together to demand free trials and things. Did we put that in the show notes? No, but we could. No, but we could. We could. Yeah. I mean, it is, I only mentioned that because it is definitely true that in this one closed ecosystem of iOS, Mm -hmm. there are hurdles. Hmm. But damn if they aren't going down every day. Hmm. Like I don't, I don't know, Chris. I mean, really. Like, yeah. if I wrote an app that, if I, if I just like got bored, right? I had a month off, and I wrote you a JB management app to like run your business in an Electron container. Mm-hmm. Just like here's your Docker container, or better yet, here's your Snap package. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. W- 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 do you care? Like, no. Do you really care if I run it? No, because right. I'm using a bunch of horrible, horribly designed. I wouldn't even call them web apps. You know, HTML pages to do stuff. I'm, you know, just. Are we just, talking about Slack again? No, no, I'm talking Ooh. like some of the things I used to update, some of the backend stuff. It's just, you know, oh. it's just awful web stuff. Well, every just, company has that, though. Yeah. You dirty little tool that so, actually yeah. the business. But exactly, it's like, come on. So it doesn't really matter. It doesn't. As long as I can build my systems that I need to use to manage it with uh, that in mind. You know, like these, a lot of these Electron apps or these websites using Natifier or just using the, the Electron app that a lot of them make, I'm just resigning myself to just, that's what virtual desktops are for. I, I open it once because that's always the most painful thing is it, is it devastates my disk IO and takes forever to launch like Slack or any of these apps. I launch it once, I leave it on its own virtual desktop, and then I go about my day on my other virtual desktops and I don't even look at it until I need it. And that works fine. And really, it's, it's how all work-grade tools have always been my entire life. Growing up as a kid, the tools that were like the... Like the like the school's tools to do their work were always these like horribly awful DOS interface tools that were not designed for the user in mind. They just got the job done. And then as I as I graduated and I I went to work, same exact thing. It was a horrible UI to manage the back end stuff and manage all these different aspects. It's just it's always how it's been. Now that I have my own business, it's not nearly as bad as it was, but those things still exist. And it's because it's more about the functionality than it is about anything else. 
It's about the work. It's about the work. Speaking of slacks, slack seems to be down. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, that's good. That's nice. Perfect that's, timing. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. That's funny. So um, I just wanted to touch on a bit of hoopla before we go. Uh, did you see that um, Microsoft today announced that they've acquired a company to make Cortana sound more human? But that's just the Verge headline. The The real story here is that Microsoft just acquired the jackpot. It's Semantic Machines, and they are uniquely positioned probably to be the best, I would say, in uh, modern voice because uh, they had um, – well, here's what, here, I'll tell you why. Here's Microsoft's position. With the acquisition of – this isn't a press release. With the acquisition of uh, Semantic Machines, we will establish a conversational AI center of excellence in Berkeley to push forward the boundaries of what is possible in language interfaces. Now, the reason why they're talking like so high, high bar there is – the team behind this company, uh, let me get make sure I'm getting the name right, so, uh, Semantic Machines, has um, one of the guys behind uh, Google uh, Now voice recognition on the team. It has the, one of the guys from Siri and then worked at Apple uh, on their team. It, uh, the guy that also worked to get Dragon Natural Speaking working. Uh, and then, of course, people that work on the machine learning aspect of it to make it learn fast and when you go to their website, it's some high-powered stuff. It's, it's, uh, it's a team. It's, it's, a, it's a hell of a team in this space, and they boast some massive conversational technology advancements over what everything that Apple and Google and Amazon is doing right now. Good. Yeah, interesting. And Microsoft says they're going to integrate it in with their uh, Azure services too. For um, of course, well, I mean Azure bot service. Shocker. Yeah. Uh, Azure bot service. Yeah. No, I, I would like someone. Okay. Can Can I just take a tangent here? Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's all I had. I just thought that's that's a huge buy for them. It was a massive. So hit. I'm living in a screwed up world here, where when I'm at home, I have uh, Jeff Bezos's daughter, who helps me out. Is that what you're calling the Echo now? Yeah. That's good. I like that. Okay. <laughs> and you know what? She's fabulous. I, I I mean this like, you know what? I'm very proud. Jeff should be very proud of his little girl. Then I get in my car. And uh, Tim's daughter might need to go to reform school or something. It just does not get the right response. And I, I don't know why. At first, I thought it was CarPlay, but it's not. It's just as crappy when Give it's Give me like an example here because I, 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 just, I just don't buy this. I just don't buy this. I have the HomePod, as you so, know. I've hey, got the phone. I've got the hey, Echo all over okay. the place. So first of all, please, please don't send me nasty emails, but I don't want to say the right name. Hey, darling, play song. Okay, calling John. No. Yes. That kind of level of misfire has to be the microphone. Maybe? Yeah. But like it's a brand new car, dude. Yeah, I don't know. It's a 2008 Malibu. Like it's know. not like it's a crap car. 2008 or 18? 2018. 2018. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 2008, I would Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's okay. yeah, what you do. All right. So, um I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. All right. <clears throat> All right. In terms of in terms of uh, the HomePod I would say it has the best oh, 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 speakers. I, I was going to let you and go. Microphone. <laughs> yeah. It has the best mics. It does. And so it's very accurate. But oh, if you don't have if you don't have good mics, the accuracy drops off uh, immediately on all of them. Like I've done a I've done like a homebrew uh, Google Assistant, but because the microphone was bad, 
it it misfired almost all the time. But on my Nexus six P, I can talk for I can talk to it from across the room and it gets me right. Because it's got like a microphone array on the Nexus six P. Same with the HomePod, right? So the HomePod uh, I, I'm, I can literally be two rooms over and I can, I can at just, you know, regular talking tone issue a command and that thing gets it accurate and picks it up. And, you know, it's really about ambient noise too. So if there's a lot of other road noise or things like that, that adds a lot of variability to you it. You know what, that I could buy actually. So if you're at home, the late, yeah. you know, the, the, uh, the Jeff tube has, uh, has no road noise or anything like that to contend with. I could actually buy that because down here on the highway as a drive, it's a 70 mile per hour highway. See, I and I bet you there's a lot of like ambient noise. I routinely, I routinely enlist myself and my family to, to try Google Assistant, Echo and Siri all the time. Like when, 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 when one gets something surprisingly right or one messes it up, we try all the other ones to see what happens just to try to keep a running list. And I'm not trying to defend Siri, but it, I mean, it's pretty good. And the other thing about Siri that people don't give credit for is it has the best brief answer. So if you ask Siri what the weather is, in the first three sentences or three words, she's going to tell you what the temperature is. But with the Echo, there's this whole lead-up paragraph to, you know, your location and what you've requested and all of that. So sometimes the other the other thing that people don't talk about is the way the assistants give you information back can be a lot better. And like the Echo just recently had a nice improvement where they've in- enabled uh, – Short responses. Have you turned this on, on your on your Jeff tube? You should really turn on short responses. Or whatever I have not. I, I I get an essay on everything I'm doing. Yeah. No. Go in the Echo app and enable uh, shortened responses or whatever. And so what it, it'll change certain confirmations to just a really nice jingle, like a doodun. So when you say, uh, you know, turn on the light, it just instead of saying okay, it'll now say doodun, and it's just done. So I don't think this screws with YouTube copyright. If I say. Hey Siri, oh, hey, no, stop. Now she works, Chris. It's you. It's because you are faithful and you have a HomePod. All of a sudden it works. No, so if I say, yeah. hey, daughter of Jeff, please play me some Bruce Springsteen because I really want to get the hell out of Florida. I mean, oh, geez. Uh, maybe that's why. Maybe it's the way I'm making the request. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's it's all it's all. You know, it's all really, really basic. No, I, I actually think you're thinking about the ambient noise is right. Because now that I think about it, uh, Siri fails in the car when I'm on like I four. Yeah, which is a seventy mile. You know, well, the other thing too that plus plus. The right? other thing that's so the other thing that I think uh, pits Siri uh, and the Google Assistant for a lot of people unfairly against the Echo is the Echo has a substantially more um, solid connection. Like when you're going when you're going sixty seventy miles per hour. You're yeah. doing cell tower hand sh- handoffs every few, every you know, every, probably every 20, 30 yeah. seconds or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and there's an interruption in service where Siri has to compensate for that, and where dictation can drop. Uh, and the reason why I I mention this is because I had something I think it was called the Mizo for a little bit, and I don't know I might be getting the name wrong, but uh, it was it was the Echo for your car. It comes with a little puck that you like you stick to your dashboard. And it's and it it, it, connect, it then uh, Bluetooth connects to a companion app on your phone, and which is kind of neat because it can show you like the like the cards that you would get like with a with an Echo with a display. So that was kind of cool. And you can use it to like it's it's pitched as like a, a way to to stream your your Echo music uh, on your phone. But it's a it's a it's a full fledged Echo essentially with some limitations. And the hit rate went way down. With that thing. You know what? That actually ties right into our comment from last week about the DGK uh, drones, right? DJI. When you, yeah. DJI, I'm sorry. That I apologize. Fine. That's fine. 
when you uh, when you're traveling, you're handshaking cell towers, like you say. Yeah. So that's actually the same problem. I just didn't think of it. Yeah. Yeah. I said, I Uncle Tim, I apologize. Now there there are areas though where I think the echoes. Pr- I won't spend a lot of time on it, but there's areas where it's clearly ahead with like the skills and and now the fact that you can build your own skills with that with that service, skill SDK blueprints or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to bring it back to developers. Amazon might not want to pay you very much, but they really want you to write an uh, Alexa skill. Yeah, and I think the other problem that uh, Siri suffers from is it's not part of Apple's core um, product. The I just Echo, don't feel like they care. Right, the Echo is, right? It's a storefront for your home. It's a massive part of Amazon's strategy. And the Assistant is a massive part of Google's strategy, which is becoming more and more apparent uh, with the most recent Google I.O. So these, these, two, different, uh, these two Assistants are really core to what those companies are doing. I don't really know about Cortana. I, I can't make an argument there. But Siri is a is a feature of an overall product. It's not really like a key part of Apple strategy like uh, the other two assistants are. So I think Siri is always going to lag in some key features. Um, but I just think sometimes it gets a worse rap than it should. That's all. Not a defender because these things are all creepy in their own right. And I don't know what to think of any of it. I'm, I just wish Minecraft would work out. Well, Mr. Dominic, there's also a story this week about Twitter ending third-party clients, essentially, in the long run. Do you want to save that for uh, later on? Uh, why don't we do it real fast? Okay. I, mean, I don't think there's a lot to say. Yeah. You know, Twitter Twitter's not been super subtle about how they feel about third-party it's, developers. It felt like this was coming for a while, huh? Right. Yeah. So, basically, if you use a third-party Twitter app that uses a, num- a number of services, I think the most... Um, common one's going to be DMs, direct messages, and maybe second to that, push notifications. Your developer is going to have to pay a lot of money to Twitter to have those. And frankly, if you've ever been an app developer on the App Store, you know you're not going to make enough money to pay that license. Yeah. So Timelines also are not going to be refreshing automatically anymore. Uh, No background refresh yet. Yep, yep. And the pricing for the new API is astronomical. It essentially works out to be almost It's like, bad. It's like almost like, what, $10 a user or something like that is almost what it works out. So can you imagine? E- even like a non-successful Twitter app on the App Store would be paying like at least $1,000, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know, uh, listener Ryan uh, tweeted when you were uh, tweeting about this, a uh, double tweet here. Tweetception. He says, uh, Ryan says, I think the lack of an API is a big part of what killed Google+. Plus." Let's hope oh, Twitter yeah. is about to make the same mistake. Did you see that tweet? Yeah. So, I, I didn't see it until you mentioned it, but yeah, I, I think that's probably true. I, yeah, I wonder if. I wonder. If, so it's essentially putting Twitter behind a wall is what's happening. Uh, and I would say they think that, I think what Twitter is saying with this move is that we're no longer giving away the most valuable asset, which is the Twitter stream, the Twitter data. We're keeping that. I don't know, man. I mean, I pay for like the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, and I know like a bunch of bloggers and YouTubers have like just gone behind paywalls. Some of them this week, apparently. I don't, I don't think I have it in me to like pay for this stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, it's just getting to be too much. I've been thinking a lot about this too because I think uh, Jupiter Broadcasting suffers a bit from being early on Patreon. Uh, because it's sort of changed what Patreon's for as we've been on the platform. And I don't think it served us particularly well. Uh, but the issue, much like software development, much like Agile Bits is aware of, is that the best strategy really is some kind of reoccurring revenue, because otherwise 
it is sort of unsustainable to keep something that requires yeah. constant work every single day, but you only see in bits of releases. And they just had a post about putting one password in the Mac App Store and changing to a subscription model because they can't really find any other way to make it work. And they tell a story in here about how they they learned a really hard lesson trying different trying trying different things. Uh, they tried one time to just make their next version a new app, so they had one password three, and they then re- released one password four. And they say it went horrible. Thousands of customers were confused when trying to update because one password three just kept saying it was up to date. And to this day, they have customers on one password three who don't realize there's even a new version out. And they say that's one of the main reasons we just haven't put a paid upgrade out on the Mac side of things for a long time. We've just been dreading the pain it would cause our customers and us. So to avoid this problem and other ones in the future, we'll be submitting a new app to the store and it will be available only as a subscription in the Mac App Store. If you want to buy it directly from their website one time, you can. But if you get it from the Mac App Store, it's going to be a subscription. Yeah, I see that. That also feels super kludgy to me. I I don't know, right? Like we mentioned it earlier, the, those developers um, signing that petition or whatever to get Apple to allow trials. Those are things you and I have talked about for years. But I, th- I think we've already crossed the Rubicon on this one. I think it's you need to structure your software business in a way that it's either services for dollars per hour or a subscription, but artificially adding a subscription to what is basically box software is not, it it doesn't feel good to me. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's the problem with putting certain types of content behind paywalls too. It's that same kind of thing. Uh, And it's, it's, I don't know. It's people struggling to figure out a revenue path, I suppose. And one pastor has a pretty good reputation, so it may work for them. Uh, you know, they've they've had a long, strong Mac following for quite a while, so this may be fine for one password. Maybe. I mean, depends. I, I, I think hope it depends it on the company. It depends on the company and their following. I think. Well, I think in a lot of ways, Apple. I mean, we should probably end fairly soon, but Apple has. Uh, I'm wondering if Apple's not going to regret in three to five years how they've basically decimated their development community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause it is, you know, I remember paying like three or $400 for a software license on the Mac. Right. Oh, sure. Yeah. And my average app I bought was like 30 bucks. Oh yeah. Easy. Now. I mean, I'm, I'm running pop, but you, there's just not that much software out there. Right. And everybody's trying to like work in some ad or subscription month. Mm-hmm. Or, or sneak a crypto miner in. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, th- I think it, I think it cheapens the platforms in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can totally see that point of view. And I think in some, I think it's, it's not necessarily a blanket statement. In some circumstances, it makes sense. Um, and, and, and for some companies or some individuals, it makes sense. But it does, it does feel like it's a changing of the bargain that between the, the user and the developer or the content creator and the consumer. It feels like a changing of the deal, the social contract that we all put in place, apparently, that we didn't know was there until we felt it was missing. Mr. Dominic, why don't you tell people where they can find you throughout the week? Somewhere nice. Find me on at Dumanuko on Twitter and then go to themadbotter.com because we're going to have some fun announcements probably next week. Cool. I look forward to hearing more about that. I also recommend you go subscribe to the show, coder.show slash subscribe. I'll be on the road. The release schedule may change a bit here and there because I'm the one that does the editing. So depending on how I'm driving and all that, the things may shift. The best solution is just to grab the RSS feed, coder.show slash subscribe for all the ways to do that, coder.show for all our links and whatnots. 
Thanks for joining us. We'll see you right back here next week. Bye.